Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, SSNC Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, or best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to see how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hirston with SSC Blue Prism. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have as my guest, Damian Lewandowski with McKinsey. Damian is an expert in areas such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, and automation. And he and I will be talking about the incredibly hot topic of generative AI. Welcome, Damian. Why don't you start us off with an introduction? Hey, Brad, thanks for, uh, for having me. Pleasure to be here. Like, like you mentioned, been with McKinsey for close to five and a half years, well, six years almost. And I spent all of my time in service operations with a heavier lens on technology applications and solutions. And so uh, generative AI has been one of the areas that we've been focusing on as the hype has accelerated. And so it's an exciting piece of technology and I'm also very, very excited to, to talk about it with you today. Fantastic. Well, it's great having you on the podcast today, Damien. And yeah, there's probably no hotter topic today than generative AI. Every day, there are seemingly hundreds of articles, white papers, webinars, conferences, you name it, that are talking about it, this whole new era of generative AI. So let me, let me start by asking you, what in your opinion has created this firestorm of interest around generative AI, which as we will talk about is the underlying technology of chat GPT? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. And I think it's also worth mentioning that this is not a net new technology. Right. And then it's not something that was released at the time and, and overwhelmed everybody. It, it's been in effect for, for some time now. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the fact that it's started to catch so much attention is a couple of reasons. One, it's fun and it has immediate applications and use cases for the non-technical users, as well as the, the more technical users in terms of the, the full AI enabled automation across the workplace, employment, right, society. And so it, it goes across the full spectrum. And I think that we also live in an attention economy. Once the media or sensationalism media gets an idea out there, you know, it spreads the word of miles quite, quite quickly. And I think this is one of the areas that basically was the, the outcome of a lot of these, these factors. Now, is it, is it revolutionary? Absolutely. Right. Uh, no doubt about that. And I think that the GPT-3 release, particularly on the training and the parameters has been, you know, was 15, 20 fold of the second version. So the prediction of, of the content being generated moving forward has been, I think the most exciting part on that. Okay. Damien, do you think generative AI will become the dominant form of AI in the years to come, especially based on what we've seen happen with chat GPT? Yeah, 
we spent a lot of time looking at this area and I think it's clear that the overall AI adoption has increased more than two, two and a half X over the last couple of years, right? And generative AI and the tools like ChatGPT or DALI or, or some of the other ones that, that Google and Meta are producing, you know, will change how a full range of jobs are being performed. But the full scope of that impact is still really unknown, right? So right. I like to think about it in kind of the near term and the long-term horizons. In the near term, I think we'll see generative AI provide a more natural conversational experience for users on how they communicate with machines and brands and enterprises and so forth, ultimately leading to, you know, higher degree of personalization across customer service, more accurate responses across various functions. Whereas in the long term, I think it will lead to more sophisticated AI systems that will be able to carry out more complex degrees of tasks. Well, we'll be able to automate that mm -hmm. complex task, right? But I, I want to also emphasize the fact that, you know, this is not a magic wand technology here that, you know, people think it's Satan or past the Turing tests. Uh, it's still far, far away from that, from that point. It's still a prediction machine. It's just been trained on humongous parts of data and the big breakthrough on the transformers uh, component right, that allow mm -hmm. look at the sentence as a whole, as a sentence as a whole, instead of the previous models, looking at individual words and assigning value based on that. So I think that's been the big, big breakthrough, but nevertheless, it's still a prediction. It's still a component or a piece of the puzzle on the overall journey to more cognitive systems and and the X machine as of the world. Right. Every day you see examples of what it's doing that, that blow you away, that just are mind boggling, whether it's, you know, passing the bar exam or something like that. But then you also see an equal number of examples where it's producing something that's just objectively wrong. So everything you said strikes a chord with me. What do you think about the consternation that this will diminish creativity and higher level thinking. You, I'm sure, saw that some school districts have banned it, like NYC, yeah. because they're afraid students are going to use it to do their homework and write essays. What do you think about that? Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons for, for this technology as it relates to, to education. I, I, and Maybe it's worth articulating some of the pros and cons as we go on, right? Like, wh what are the pros of leveraging these models and all of these new solutions and applications in a school setting, right? Like, first and mm -hmm. foremost, you get personalized form of, of learning, right? You increase the accessibility for students to get that real-time feedback on specific problems, right? Uh, so it, it's also, it could be more accurate in terms of grading or consistent across grading mm -hmm. papers with, within a class and whatnot. And obviously there's a lot of cons, right? The issue of originality, I think plagiarism also, right? And I think it's without a doubt getting into the laziness 
components. So pros and cons, but personally, I'm with the stance that I don't necessarily think this should be banned in educational settings, more so than teaching the young generation on how to leverage it appropriately. So in a way, or an ideal world, right? This is a healthy mix where you have policy and regulations enforced by educators, but it does prioritize humans because you're not always going to have access to the phone or access to a screen where you can read a prompter or whatever the machine spits out. So you got to be able to think on the spot and the STEM courses particularly being very important in that. And I guess the last point that I also think is, is valuable to add on the education front is I think we need a little bit more train the trainer classes for our educators on upskilling our teachers on what are the implications of this technology, because it would prefer to avoid a bipolar opinion in the education system of it's wrong. We're never going to use it versus this is all we're going to use. Uh, and I think what we're experiencing now, there's a lot of uncertainty. And you get that bipolar decision-making happening instead of, you know, infusing more of these AI classes and making AI class be part of the core, like math and science. Yeah. I think that's the way to proceed and continue innovating in the future. Hmm. Those are, those are really good points. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a better way to look at it, to say that generative AI or champ GPT can, can actually help in embellish or enhance human creativity, right? If it's used the right way. And I do think educators and humans in general need some guidance in terms of how to use it the right way, but it certainly can uh, help humans think of things in a totally different way and really expand their ability to be creative. And I, I for one, believe it's an instinctive need of all humans to create. So I don't think we're going to stop creating, but ChatGPT has certainly introduced a new element that's caught a lot of people by surprise. And I think they're still trying to get their mind set on it the right way. Absolutely. And, and, and I would also add, right, like these technologies, as much as you want to say, they, they are exhibiting creativeness which is, which has been human exclusive skill, they're still not reasoning, uh -huh. right? And there's still a lot of cognitive functions that this technology is very yeah. far away from. So even though we can predict, you know, what's the next word uh, after this particular sentence to create a cohesive response, it still doesn't really reason on what it's been, uh, on what it's saying. That's another great point in what I've heard many people say, which I also think is worth saying is it's still in the end of the day, it's going to create an outcome that it is statistically driven. It's predicting what the appropriate output is based on statistics, based on algorithms. It's not like it just came up with an idea based on its own creative capability or its own reasoning, as you said, do you see a day? Damien, when articles and books and white papers and such will have to be certified in some way to assure people that when they read them, that they were actually written by humans versus AI. Absolutely. And, and I wish this was already in effect today. And, you know, I read recently, Mr. Musk, 
was adding these really neat features to the Twitter platform with different colored check marks, right? Representing different entities, humans, and then politicians, whatever it is. And I think that we absolutely need the same form for machine originated content versus human generated content, right? And to, to add two more, two more points, because I think this is a very interesting topic. One, there should be a, a similar mode for fact-checking, right? That's right. been verified across X amount of sources and not just necessarily one, but we know in today's environment, one fact can be tweaked into many different forms of context and many different forms of output. Mm -hmm. uh, second, I would also argue that in addition to labeling machine versus human, that there should also be some sort of a percentage of, of biases, right? Right. And you mm -hmm. see today a lot when you go on the mainstream media websites, they will both present the same story, but in, in totally different angles. I think mm -hmm. it, maybe this is an application for generative AI entrepreneurs to, to create, right? But this degree in terms of a bias or an opinion, mm -hmm. um, opinion, what is a fact, I think can really be a big add-on to how we as humans consume information and be able to make our own decisions based on this kind of metadata labeling on machine versus human versus percentage mm -hmm. of bias, percentage of opinion. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So Damien, can you provide some examples of use cases for generative AI that you think are most likely to materialize? as companies start to experiment with it and, and even put it into production? Yeah, lots of individual use cases, right? And I'll try to group it in a more cohesive manner to, to avoid more of a siloed call out of, of these use cases, because I'm sure when you Google stuff, you can get a ton of interesting stuff. So I think first and foremost, when I think about enterprise and automation, more high ROI use cases is the conversational applications. Mm -hmm. I think that generative AI models and solutions will offer a greater level of the understanding of these conversations, root causes, intents, with much more context awareness. So your mm -hmm. typical kind of chatbots, virtual assistants, gatekeepers, brand represent, however you, you define this, I think this will fuel more fire into what is already a volatile marketplace in, in the chatbot space, right? With mm -hmm. over 2000 providers there and really fuel more innovation uh, across the board. So that's huge. I, I think that's the first one. And, and by the um, way, fact is already proven uh, to reducing the transactional calls in nature, alleviating yeah. you know, agent capacity and back office function capacity. Uh, into more value-added tasks. So that's I the, I think, really high ROI application. The second one I've seen with a lot of clients recently, it's the knowledge management applications. How do you get faster, cheaper, and larger scale access to the knowledge, basically what you need and when you need it, <laughs> right? What's the most common component of an enterprise is also in, in the service operations areas, right? Although it, it mm -hmm. really be where corporate business functions and whatnot. But when you call your phone provider and you're on the phone for 20, 30 minutes, chances are that phone call is taking so long because the agent's trying to find the answer for you. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. and the silo legacy systems, right, that many organizations still have, don't really allow for that rapid pull of a specific article, knowledge, how-tos, policy, right? So I think that that is going to fundamentally change the game of how organizations manage knowledge. And the third one, I'd say, I think it's the most common one people say, it's, it's the marketing applications, right? Let's not kid ourselves. Although the conversational and the ma knowledge management solutions are going to be great on the back office and operations of an enterprise, the marketing solutions for producing social media content, copies, mm -hmm. more personalized sales emails at scale, which I'm sure many of our leaders get those a lot, right? Advertisements is I think the other high ROI area for these types of solutions. Good. And, and I'd love your take, Brad, on this as well, but it focuses on a lot of kind of functional applications, but I think it's also important to keep in mind there's going to be a lot of vertical applications in nature, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so healthcare being one huge area, right? Pharmaceutical, yeah. another big one where there's going to be a lot of innovation and accelerating the, the clinical trials and among other, other things, right? That's where my head is as well, Damien. I think about any area where you have the most complex problems and you have human experts who are attempting to solve that problem. They're using a myriad of resources to do so, but they, they can only consume so much content. They can only draw connections and identify patterns and come up with recommendations based on their experience, based on their knowledge. There's only so much they can do. It really takes me back to thinking about the rollout of IBM Watson many, many years ago and how Watson was originally thought of in the healthcare space. I remember watching a 60 Minutes episode where they were talking about Watson being the trigger to cure cancer. They had a seat around the table reserved for IBM Watson. So every time I hear Chan GPT mention people talking about how it could be applied in healthcare, that's exactly what I think about. Yeah. And I also add like every time I hear a net new shiny toy technology, I try to ground it into measurable and yes. sustainable ROI. So another example of a function is, is talent sourcing, right? resumes, creating personalized interview questions, right? A lot of this can alleviate huge capacity from the recruiting function to focus on closer evaluation and fit, right? So there's tons of really cool functional use cases that will have meaningful long-term value for an enterprise. Yeah. So I have to ask you about your opinion on, on how generative AI is potentially going to impact the world of intelligent automation. Anytime you have digital workers that are acting on AI recommendations, which we do all the time with predictive, now thinking about what it's going to look like with outcomes from generative AI. Yeah. Intelligent automation space, I think, is very, very interesting because it refers to something that's very, very concrete and saving time and accelerating cycle times, right? Whereas conversational-based applications and, for example, fueled by generative AI will have discrete functions within that end-to-end -end life cycle, right? I think 
tools like RPA will not necessarily go away. You still need that form of automation to streamline and accelerate these repetitive processes. But I do think a lot of the other components along that journey will have significant implications for front office and back office, right? So mm -hmm. example, where, where the areas that I see the biggest impact on is number one, I think it's decision intelligence. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen areas and some solutions providing or stating that they are already solving this to a degree, mm -hmm. uh, right. but deriving deeper insights from the large volume of data to make better, faster decisions, right? Compare and contrast type of use cases. I think it will have the highest implication on the digitization based solutions, right? So when you think mm -hmm. about intelligent document processing capabilities, for example, where you're able to now extract information based on OCR solutions, right? Yep. From massive mm -hmm. of digital documents. And now how do you maybe extract more context out of it and inform more decision-making and find new patterns that can enable you to take a leap forward, right? So I think that yeah. this intelligence is one big area of very exciting innovation in this space. The second one, it's also not a new concept, but I've been thinking a lot about the citizen developer model. And I mm -hmm. think what we're going to see is a citizen developer 2.0, um, mm -hmm. because it's been known that generative AI is a humongous assistant to coding, right? code right. generation, explainability of the code. And now when you think about, okay, how do you enable the non-technical workforce to automate parts of their jobs that is becoming more and more dull, right? Or mm -hmm. is repetitive. Right. I think that this will be the one area that will fuel more changes, right? And, and particularly mm -hmm. more pressure on the automation companies, so, such mm -hmm. as Prism, right? And the UiPath even, IBM, right? To start embedding some of these generative AI modules as they explore wide space market opportunities to, to let the employees automate their own work. And, and then I, I guess I'd add the third one that, that that's um, also very relevant to the intelligent automation life cycle. It's human enablers. Mm -hmm. We've seen this already towards the end of the funnel, as you automate the task or the enterprise, uh, you have natural language generation already, right? Where you can mm -hmm. you chart and create commentary, particularly relevant for the wealth management based organizations or overall performance management solutions, right? Simulated mm -hmm. training for employees. All, all of these, I think will play an important role as I think the term automation will evolve right, into, mm -hmm. into different meetings. I agree with your thoughts. And yeah, I think, it's, I think it's an area that those of us in intelligent automation really need to carefully but aggressively pursue and think about how it could augment the, the space we're in and, and the value that we're already providing. But we have to be cautious. I always think about human in the loop. That needs to be really front and center here because human oversight of the outcomes from generative AI, especially if it's something that we're going to feed to a digital worker to go and act on, at least initially, 
we've, we're going to have to have that oversight. And so, yeah, I, I, when I think about where it fits anywhere, you have a human in the loop process and you could benefit from having, um, a, a different perspective or have a different type of recommendation or observation, even that's where generative AI, I think will play a role. The contact center to me is a obvious place, but there's plenty of others. A hundred percent. And I, I think you already see, have seen this in the last couple of years as new solutions started to rise up with the human in the loop concept, right? We're mm -hmm. able to take larger scale of, of information process, yep. but you still need either an, a red flag human review and particularly to the near and long-term horizons we discussed earlier, right? Yeah. I think in the near term, you cannot get away without an appropriate human in the loop, which will change the job profiles as they uh -huh. exist today quite, I think, drastically. And then hopefully in the long term, you'll be able to trust AI with more and more lower impact decision making. Yep. Totally agree. So Damien, I'd like to, I'd like to wrap up just by getting your thoughts on how McKinsey is recommending that companies approach this new capability, factoring in some of the cautions. We've talked about a lot of them, but if you could speak to that, kind of wrap up our conversation today, that would be really great. Yeah, it's unfortunately still a moving target. And it's, I think, difficult for a lot of business executives to, to get it, right? Is it's, mm -hmm. it's continue evolving. I think that quickly, identifying which parts of the business could be affected uh -huh. with innovation, insight, decision-making, anchoring it on either revenue growth or capturing the inefficiencies is really step one. And it's also difficult to generalize because mm -hmm. each organization is on a different spectrum of maturity. Right. If you're a company that has more legacy technologies, maybe less than ideal data quality, some engineering that, right, perhaps starting with just a rapid sprint on the concepts right, mm -hmm. of Gen AI, assess the readiness and the feasibility, start brainstorming on the types of use cases and what is the sequential list of tasks that I need to execute to get to that point, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Others may be a little bit more advanced where we have some foundations in place. We have piloted AI applications. We have RPA running across many functions. In those cases, recommend to start the prioritization exercises, right? right. Look yep. at ROI, uh, look at value at stake, investment needed, and think about the broader governance structure and the roadmap to execution, right? And then lastly, there's a lot of organizations that we see that are just disruptive. They get the latest and greatest, the innovators in a way. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, in those cases, you can be more agile and start moving towards the design and the prototypes, right? Looking at areas to POC, the specific technology function, and then put a lot more emphasis on change management and adoption, because that's consistent with every technology, right? There's a lot of great stuff, but six months later, people stop using it or we're not properly adjusting our org model to it. The impact can be lost in the weeds. Great thoughts, Damien. Really Good way to wrap up. Thank you for being on today. It's been a fun conversation. I've enjoyed everything we've talked about and really appreciate your point of view on this 
generative AI and, and chat GPT topic. It's such a hot, hot item right now. I think it will continue to be for some time. And you, you definitely have a very pointed perspective and, and you've researched it quite a bit. I know you've done that for the benefit of your clients with, with McKinsey. So thank you for sharing your thoughts and I wish you the very best. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's been a blast and we'll see how, how this evolves as we chat next time. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. And to make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, Check out blueprism.com to learn how SSNC Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.